can we make an impact or actually start, you know, deploying or developing commercial fusion power plants by 2050s? That is a very aggressive timeline. Well, hello, ladies and gentlemen. I'm Eric Planey. I am Lucas Finko. I'm Steffi Deem. Well, welcome, Dr. Deem. Together we are the Pirates of Clean Tech. <laughs> Yar. Welcome. Right. Yeah, this is a very exciting episode for us. Uh, we are trying to be very timely with the news we heard this week uh, about the breakthrough in the U.S. Department of Energy announced about fusion. So I'm going to turn it over to Lucas to explain who our guest is, and we can take it from there. Yeah, so we, we have an impromptu episode that we had to get out super quick because uh, this announcement just came out about the fusion breakthrough. So today we have Stephanie Diem, the assistant professor uh, from engineering physics in the College of Engineering at the University of Wisconsin, of which I am an alum, in case you didn't notice. Um, I have my- Go Badgers! <laughs> my Wisconsin, yeah, go Badgers. Um, she focuses on fusion energy and plasma physics. Uh, she's worked on fusion energy experiments at national laboratories and universities and uh, internationally. She's the principal investigator for the Pegasus 3 experiment at uh, Wisconsin, which I hope we'll hear more from. Um, she's also a new voices in science, engineering and medicine for the National Academy. So welcome, Stephanie. It's great to have you. Oh, thanks so much for the invitation. It's so great to meet you and be here. Well, thank you. We're going to go right into it because we have so much to talk about today. And uh, we know you've got probably a thousand things going on this week. But uh, Dr. Dean, tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, Let's start off so, with how your career developed and how you got to your current role at Wisconsin. That is a great question. I actually am in this field completely by accident. I did not know what I wanted to do for school. I just knew I could afford to go to UW-Madison for undergrad. So I'm also an alumni and I teach where I went to undergrad. Um, I ran into some engineering students and they said, you know what, uh, you can probably get a job pretty easily if you got a nuclear engineering degree. It combined math and physics, and I loved that. Um, so day two on campus, after I declared being a nuclear engineer as a freshman, I went to the department chair and I said, who is hiring? Because I don't know how to pay for this college. Um, and the first person who was in their office did fusion energy research. <laughs> and when they explained like the like this amazing physics challenge, of harnessing the power that powers the sun and the earth, um, fusion energy, and doing that for clean energy use here on earth. Um, and it's this amazing physics challenge and engineering challenge. I was like, yes, I'm going to do this. <laughs> so it was by accident. Yeah. You don't hear that I... very often. You don't hear about people accidentally <laughs> going into fusion, fusion research. Right? <laughs> no, you I don't hear that about like, you know, you know, mid medieval literature or something like that. You don't yeah. hear that about fusion. <laughs> Yeah, it's like who, if someone else would have opened their door and hired me, I don't know where I would be. I don't know. But here well, I am. We're glad you're here. It, it was yeah. karma. Yep. Uh, yeah, so obviously the reason we, we were so excited to have you as a guest and that you accepted. So the big news, the Department of Energy and the DOE's National Nuclear Security Administration, NNSA, on Tuesday announced a major achievement in fusion ignition at the Lawrence Livermore National Laboratory a major scientific breakthrough decades in the making that'll pave the way, as they say, for advancements in the future of clean power. But for our listeners out there who may not have heard the term fusion ignition until this week, what exactly does that mean? 
And why has this news been so received so positively within the media and some or all of the scientific community? Okay, that is a great question. So when we say we reached ignition, um, you've produced more power from the fusion reactions than was actually put into the fuel to to start these reactions to happen. Um, For this case, they put in two megajoules of laser energy into the this capsule that was like the size of a dime. Um, and then from that, they produced 3.15 megajoules of energy from fusion. So this is the first time we actually achieved these conditions here on earth. So that's why it was such a huge milestone because everyone was asking, you know, charging our field, you have to produce more energy than you put into the fuel. And they did it. And it's amazing. So that's why everyone's really, really excited about this milestone. So cool. Yeah. Yeah, it's good news. Can you talk a little bit? Because there, are, as as far as I know, there are two main fusion experiment concepts, right? There's the ignition facility and the tokamak, like at um, at ITER. Can you talk about the differences between the two and, and which one is your favorite, which I think I know already, but. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, my favorite. One. My favorite is fusion, all of fusion. Anything that gets us to fusion is my favorite. Um, So, yeah. So in a nutshell, there's well, really kind of three main approaches to achieving fusion conditions here on Earth. Um, There's and essentially what you need to do at the heart of what we need to achieve is you need to heat up enough particles, so enough density um, to high enough temperatures And you need to hold on to these particles for long enough to get them to fuse together. So three things, density, temperature, time. Um, Three ways you can achieve that. Um, Laser energy, like focusing lasers on on the fuel and imploding it to create those conditions. Um, I I study magnetic confinement fusion um, energy. And for that, we suspend the fuel for fusion. We, We create magnetic bottles to hold on to it and capture the fuel until it can heat up and fuse together. And then there's like this hybrid approach where it's, it's called magneto inertial. And it kind of combines the two where you're using, you're starting up with like a magnetic confinement and you're imploding that. Um, I'm very much generalizing it because there's a lot of different unique (laughs) concepts that fit within this realm of kind of the in-between state. Um, And so really what we're all trying to do we're all trying to reach this goal of fusion energy. And I think it's great to have all these approaches because that really competition's been, you know, fosters innovation. And we all learn from each other too. And so that's great. Cool. Um, I'm wondering if you can help us get a handle because a lot of people say in the finance community want to know like, okay, when when can I build a reactor, right? That produces power. I mean, how long do you think that's going to take, Yeah. right? Yeah, I well, because you bring up the financial sector, right? Uh, we need money <laughs> to do the research to generate electricity. So step one was to show that it's feasible to create the conditions for fusion here on Earth, for controlled fusion. We did that. That's amazing. Next comes the developing the technology that's necessary for generating electricity. And that's really looking at sustaining these conditions for fusion, um, developing materials that can withstand these these harsh fusion environments, because we're talking about temperatures 10 times hotter than the sun, Um, and then developing that technology to generate electricity. So that will take time. 
like anyone knows, anytime you, you prove this breakthrough, it takes time to develop that technology. That being said, they did mention during that announcement, the White House's bold decadal vision, right? Um, I think people may have picked that up. So uh-huh. earlier this year, um, they had this White House Fusion Summit, and I was in one of the invited speakers at it. It was an amazing experience to kind awesome. of kick off this uh bold decadal vision. And so really what we're looking at through this bold decadal vision is identifying this technology gaps, um, doing the research to address them, designing a fusion pilot plant within around a decade that can actually demonstrate it's generating electricity. Now it won't power your neighborhood, but it's going to be like a first of a kind plant. Now that's an aggressive timeline. Um, which we need to start on like some of this technology, like developing these materials like a while ago. So, (laughs) so yeah, it's not going to happen in two years. It's not going to happen. You know, it's still going to take time and effort. Well, maybe as a follow-up, you know, we're all in the climate tech and clean tech sector. We keep talking about the, the Paris climate accord goals of 2050, trying to generate enough clean power to take all the carbon generating assets offline so that we're really a clean and we're actually keeping the environment from getting too overheated. Do you think that this fusion solution could be a part of the 2050 goals? Maybe not 100% by any means, but do you think the timeline will dictate that maybe we can have fusion reactors actually operating commercially, some maybe let's say 2035, 2040, to start offsetting you know, and taking some carbon off, offline? That's a great question. So part of what went into this bold decadal vision was some National Academy studies that looked at just that. Can we make an impact or actually start, you know, deploying or developing commercial fusion power plants by 2050s? That is a very aggressive timeline. Um, I think we can start and get in, you know, start working towards that. But I think it's important to remember or keep in mind, our energy portfolios are always changing based on the technology that we have. And so it's not set in stone by 2050. But we can make a difference in the future. Um, it's all based on, you know, what is good for communities, the sectors that you're powering and things like that and optimizing for that success, too. Uh, that's very intriguing. Um, one more follow up, Lucas, if you don't mind. And, uh, Dr. you know, obviously, there's always controversy in the clean tech sector about existing nuclear assets generating electricity because of whether or not it's truly clean. There's environmental considerations with the waste. Do you think that this could potentially cause maybe some uh, conflict or animosity between, you know, the fusion world and I guess the fission world of today's nuclear, like in terms of should we be building new nuclear reactors or the small modular reactors if in this, there's a possibility that fusion could be replacing all of that at some point? I think we have to be aggressive when we're talking about climate change and we have to work with what we have now and what we have in the future. Uh, And always be forward thinking about not only, you know, the decisions that we make today will impact things immediately, but looking down the line, too. So I think there's a way for, you know, different sectors to work together. Um, Maybe it's what works for, you know, advanced modular works for certain communities where, um, you know, different choices work for others and things like that. I don't see animosity. I'm I'm pro I'm always rooting for the environment and ways to promote, support, and deploy clean energy. 
See, very Midwestern answer. We're all Midwesterners here, so we love your optimism because thank you. That's what Midwesterners bring to the table, in my opinion. <laughs> so, can... I feel like every every ten years, right? They say fusion is ten years off, and I I believe there are some fundamental challenges, right? And so you brought up some of them. Um, you know, the neutron flux is really difficult, and materials can't withstand it, so that's a problem. It's quite fundamental. You know, you have the plasma instabilities and the magnetic traps. That seems to me a fundamental problem. So I I believe this is what your research is addressing, right? How do we overcome these fundamental challenges? So do you think we can get there? What's your thinking? Okay, that's that's really, yeah. I get asked (laughs) this a lot, so I got an answer. (laughs) Okay, so people are like, why now? Why should we even, because you've been putting all this effort into it. And really, it's if we have this unique time right now, we have this convergence of things that we've never had before. Um, for one thing, our community, we just demonstrated ignition, right? Huge milestone. Come together as a community early this year and did a strategic plan identifying the gaps and challenges to commercialize fusion energy. There's also a lot of technology that we have access today to that we've never had before. So advanced and additive manufacturing means that we can do things like rapid prototyping, also design components and build components that were either too expensive due to like the time involved, or you physically could not build them. Um, Then we have exascale computing, which just means we can do whole device modeling, um, looking at instead of we were just modeling, you know, components and kind of putting it together. Now we can do whole device modeling to get this deeper understanding of what's going on. Um, Some of that goes back to advanced modeling and understanding and people are, you know, uh, applying AI to how do you change the magnetic fields to minimize or mitigate instabilities like you you mentioned. it's a lot of things like that that we haven't had access to today. Um, part of it is high temperature superconducting magnets too. We didn't have access that to that before. And because of Fusion, it was a private company, Commonwealth Fusion Systems, delivered uh, and developed and deployed this 20 Tesla high temperature superconducting magnet that makes compact or smaller reactors finally possible that we didn't have access to before. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, I think I read at Pegasus, which is your experiment, um, they were limited because there's only so much they could put inside the, the torus. And now the magnets are so much better that they can get a better field in there, right? Is that yeah. what you're talking about? Yeah, well, the, yeah. ours is like actually a little bit different. Um, so I'm going to spend a couple of seconds talking about what, what our research is okay. here, yeah, <laughs> if that's okay. Yeah. Um, so we are... Uh, kind of a more compact version of the tokamak called a spherical torus or spherical tokamak so instead of looking like a donut it looks like a cored out apple shape um the way that every tokamak starts out is there's two magnets down the center one of the magnets is use your main uh, magnetic field to confine it the other magnet is like a spark plug to start it up Um, That takes up a lot of space. So we took out our spark plug magnet and we have these injectors that you plug into the side, look kind of like lightsabers and they make a small, it's pretty, I'll send you a picture. It it does. (laughs) Um, They make a little arc plasma, like a spark plasma inside. 
And then we apply a voltage between that injector to the side of our, our vessel, and it makes these ribbons from the lightsabers that fill up the vessel. And that's how we start up. Huh. So, yeah, we kind of look at innovative ways that you would look at starting up fusion power plants to, to minimize resources or optimize space for confining magnetic field magnets. Cool. Wow. Yeah, that's, that's mind blowing, and it's very cool that you could reference lightsabers uh, while doing so. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. <laughs> well, you know, um, I guess uh, this is all so exciting uh, for us in the clean tech community, but people in general. What can people? Our listeners are generally just starting out their careers in clean energy, but all of us who are listening, what can we do to help your mission? Because fusion is so exciting and can be such a game changer that really save this planet. What can we be doing to help advocate on behalf of all the fusion scientists out there, you know, to put something together to really drive this forward? What can we be doing to assist? Doing to assist us? Join us? There's a lot of jobs that are available in fusion because it, it's not just like I'm a plasma physicist. So, you know, and also the nuclear engineering side too, but it's not just engineers and scientists anymore. It's, um, it, well, there's a lot of, it's chemical engineering, mechanical engineering. It's also highly technically skilled, like welders, craftspeople, because these experiments, they, I mean, each are custom made right now to, to kind of work on this innovative research. It's people that are artists that are, you know, working with us too for promotion, uh, everything from HR to lawyers to everything, project managers, purchasers. Um, we do have a website called usfusionenergy.org, where we do have all of these jobs at all educational levels for people who are interested in supporting fusion from, you know, joining the workforce. Also, talking to your representatives, too, because some of it is funded by um, federal research dollars and saying, you know, I would like to support federal research funding going towards this. Or there's also private companies that are starting up that you can invest in as well. Wow, that's fantastic. So I guess with that last question, uh, you know, we love uh, hearing a little bit more about your story and about how you accidentally came into <laughs> the world of uh, physics and fusion. So we have a lot of female listeners who are thinking about going into the STEM discipline if they haven't already. What advice would you give them as you're a bit of a trailblazer yourself, quite honestly, you know, how can you help those that are thinking about going into, like you said, there's a big need right now. So yeah. what advice would you give? I would say, reach out to networks, reach out for opportunities. I always have people asking me about, you know, opportunities in my lab or research, things like that. What really worked for me is finding people that were very supportive of me and they're there for me at all times. And also I ask for help too, um, because it is hard. And I do have to lean on my support structure um, because of it. And that's always been helpful. Um, I also, for me, realizing science is a lot of failure and, and overcoming that and pushing through it, I think was really helpful as well. Oh, that's, that's so yeah. true. And we don't really recognize that, right? Because we're, we're so success, success, success only, but there's a cost to it, correct? Yep. I mean, everyone's talking about how amazing this, and it is super amazing that we reached ignition. But what is amazing 
is how many times we failed and then we <laughs> learned from those failures to get to that point. And that's fascinating too. Yeah. Agreed. Yep. This is really incredible. So I do have to ask, Lucas and I are both car guys. So I have to ask you, Dr. Dean, do you drive a Ford Fusion? I don't. <laughs> what? I know. I We did. Like, I used to work in a national lab and like the, the car around the site was Ford Fusions. And we're like, finally, we have Fusion. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, the NASA used to like use all the NASA astronauts during the Apollo program used to get free Corvettes, I think. So I think oh maybe gosh. now Ford, if Ford is listening, maybe all the fusion scientists out there should get free Ford Fusions. I mean, I'll take a free car. All right. Hands down, I'll take it. <laughs> We'll reach out to Ford. We'll see what we can Thank do. You. For yeah, we'll get on that. Yeah. Uh, Thanks. <laughs> uh, any closing thoughts for your uh, fellow alum? No, it's just fantastic. Again, she said you can go to uh, usfusionenergy.org. It's a good place to get information uh, and resources. And I see jobs are on there too. So we'll have yeah. that link below. And we'll also have some links, right, to um, her experiments. You can read more about it um, and the, the new discoveries. So. Yeah, thank you for coming on, Stephanie. Yeah, yeah. this is great. Thanks Short so notice, but this is so exciting. So thank you so much. Yeah, thank you. All right, thank you. And we're back. Uh, Lucas, what a great find. Thank you so much for finding Dr. Deem. She was incredible. Yeah, she was awesome. And she's actually working on a fusion experiment. So she knows a lot about this. And she was, I, you know, I threw her some hard questions and she didn't flinch. She, um, she knows her stuff. So that was really good. Right. Cause you know, we actually send ahead of time our question list. So there's no surprises, but we threw a couple, <laughs> but we threw a couple at her anyways that, that were not on the list. And she answered them just like that. I mean, let's put it this way. She was at the white house speaking about this. So she's yeah. no dumb. Yeah. So she had some great responses. We we will throw a couple of articles down uh, below, but we're not going to cover them too much. But um, here, uh, Eric has this great one on uh, from National Geographic. So this shows the um, ignition facility. This is their concept. So they have a little tiny sphere of fuel with a little capsule, and they shoot it with all these lasers, and it gets super, super hot. Um, so this reactor... Uh, you know, if they were to build this, it would be kind of reciprocating, right? Because it would be like shots of the lasers at at these little spheres. So that's why there's still a lot of design uh, difficulty and challenges here. So then how do you uh, get that energy out of there? Um, there's another great one here that, that Eric had from CNBC uh, that we'll have below. Oh, and I, I found this one too. This is Stephanie's experiment called Pegasus 3 at Wisconsin. Uh, so you can check that out. We'll provide this link and it looks, um, there it is. That's the sphere right there. Um, yeah. Oh, and those are those little devices she was talking about, I guess, on the side there. Yeah, um, you know, great stories. And like the CNBC one's a little yeah. bit cynical about, you know, timelines, et cetera. But <laughs> you know what? I mean, it's got to be, the question has to be asked, but I really love the Nat Geo article. If you guys can get a free trial subscription, take a look at that one. It's definitely worth it. Yeah, it's not paywall. You ha- you just have to give them your um your email, and then you can read three articles. So it's not super paywalled. And then here also is the usfusionenergy.org. This is their website. So there's a lot of uh, interesting stuff on here too. So yeah, what an awesome guest, huh? Fantastic. Uh, it sucked. I think I had bad internet bandwidth today, so I hope that didn't chop up the uh, 
the podcast, but it was great. I think we could have her on in the future, you know, maybe as a follow-up a few months down the road from now to see all the ramifications. But I think uh, those of us in the clean tech sector need to follow Fusion and be advocates. I don't know if I want to pull money from other sectors, government funding solar and wind right now. We need those. They're, they're proven. But we need research dollars to really be flowing the Fusion ASAP. Well, but solar and wind have revenues coming in, right? And and so there's a there's a business justification for businesses investing in that. Fusion doesn't have revenue coming in, right? So it, it has to be government funding. Um, and so yeah, we we don't have a choice. We still have too far to go, right? Well said, well said. But you know, there's still some government grant money out there. You know, and I don't think they oh, yeah. miss out take allocation from wind solar proven technologies, put it to fusion. We need a ramp up of money spent. This is a game changer for us. Yeah, but I don't, I mean, that's a good question. I don't know if I would, you know, commit angel investor dollars to a fusion startup even now, but I mean, I'd have to see their pitch, but, you know, talking to her, there's still some tough problems to be solved here. So. Yeah. I like, I love her answer about 3d printing and uh, rapid prototyping. Uh, That makes me feel good because of the work that we've done in the past on 3d printing in the U S but at yep. the same time, that in the materials, like, you know, you have to create materials that are conducive to, you know, keeping the equation on a net positive for energy gain on, on the fusion experiment. Yeah. And the, the high temperature superconducting magnets, like that was a huge breakthrough 20 years ago. Now it's like real. So that's fantastic. Yeah. I just, it's a great science discovery solving problem story, right? If, if we got up to 2040, if we actually had a working fusion reactor, uh, you know, helping offset carbon by 2040, I think that would be incredible because yeah. I think that the the ability for that thing to really take carbon off the grid in the 10 years between 2040 and our goal, Paris climate goal of 2050, would be off the charts. Yeah, and think about that investment ramp up. But like, wow, we have working fusion. Grow massive pounds of money at it. We'll build it as big as you can get it, right? <laughs> We are going to be all over the Ford Motor Company to start allocating some leftover fusions to our future scientists. <laughs> you and the cars, you can't, you cannot talk about cars. All right. We're going to give our scientists some free love. That's all. Okay. So as always, you can find us on your favorite podcast site. You click subscribe or follow. We're also on YouTube if you want to follow along with us um, and go through the articles with us. You click uh, search for parts, clean tech, click subscribe and the alarm bell so you get notified. Yep. And uh, obviously, uh, views and opinions expressed by Lucas and I and our guests are those of ourselves and not necessarily the organizations we represent. Go Badgers, go Falcons. Um, And uh, obviously, we didn't talk too many public companies, but if we did, uh, any securities underlying those companies, please consult an investment representative that's registered and accredited before making any investment decisions. Okay. Impromptu episode. Yep. Impromptu episode. We love it. Send us your feedback. And with that, I'm Eric Planey. I am Lucas Finko. And we are the very fusion oriented pirates of clean tech. <laughs> fusion arg. Arg. <laughs> Come on, Ford. <laughs>